0: Oh, man, that is the funky sound of Jeff Tamalier, Folks, I'm live in the room right now. You know, we did a lot of COVID-19, a lot of pandemic stuff over Zoom. It feels so good to be back in the room with a great guitar player jamming. I got a guitar, too. Jeff Tamalier, folks. He's played with Tower of Power. He's played with Mickey Thomas and Starship featuring Mickey Thomas. Featuring. We got that sort of Jefferson Starship, Starship thing in common. He's got funk books out. Jeff Tamalier, one of my favorite players that I've gotten to know recently. Man, we're at your studio here, and it's only 109 degrees outside, but it feels so good to be playing. Music in a cool air conditioning. Yeah, air conditioned studio. It's only a hundred
1: in here. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's only. <laughs> no, it's cool in here. Beautiful place. Thanks for having me over, and it thank really you, means man. a lot to be jamming after a, basically a year of doing this all over the web yeah. using Zoom. And so you're the first live victim again.
1: <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you, and and uh, I've been an admirer of your playing for a long time, and can't believe we actually just met what a couple weeks ago, and in person but in nowadays person.
0: everybody knows each other on on the socials
1: unfortunately <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know my brother donnie baldwin from yes, jefferson Starship—oh, oh
1: 40 years now those yeah. uh, uh we had a band a little gadget in the soulful twilights mickey thomas wanted to do a a horn yeah. band kind of like the Elvin bishop days when that when those guys were both in that band they had the big horn section yeah. it was a marvelous band so Yeah, that's when I met those guys, I think 1981. I was barely 21, you know. Those guys wrecked me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently you you were saying that there's some stories that you could tell, but once the microphones start, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know. Well, we'll, we have too much dirt on each other, so we'll just keep it at that. (laughs) They call that a stalemate, I think. (laughs) Stalemate. That was some good funk there, brother. <sighs> well, Listen man, to you.
0: I take inspiration from you. Cause Spanky. You, you're the funk meister, and I love seeing you play with Bryant Mills and stuff. And yeah. You guys have that raw energy where anything can happen. And you, you were talking about, I saw one little thing online where you're talking about two-string low, like on the fifth and sixth string, call them two-string funk or and you maybe you were influenced by freddie stone from,
1: yes very much by freddie stone but that's sly, sly stones brother. sly stones brother freddie and sly was a great player too um actually on thank you i think sly's playing the wah-wah that underneath which is super funky but freddie freddie stone to me was you know all styles but you know bottled into funk um long before anyone else you know he, he could yeah. play blues there's jazz in there there's rock there's even a little country um And just his parts he came up with were just brilliant, you know, especially in 1967. So this is, you know, before the James Brown, before they got, you know, into the real funky, funky stuff. So I look at him as a pioneer and he got he played on my record and was on my video. So I was honored for that.
0: What's some of the stuff that he would do that or that you have taken influence from him on, like the two-string stuff? What is that? Can you just show us an example? Well, yeah,
1: yeah. so, you know, if you saw that James Brown movie, how he, he asked all these guys, you know, Maceo, what, what instrument do you play? And he says, I play sax. No, you don't. You're a drummer. So it kind of comes from that. So I look at this as kind of the two low strings are my kick drum. The middle are kind of my chords, and then these top two are kind of my snares. So you know. So you know you kind of got sound like three players. So like you kind of separate the strings, you know, and then maybe just lay on this. I mean that's a good part right there. And this one, see so, you now, so all three parts will work, but I kind of infuse them all into one and make one part of out of them. That's so awesome. That's Can kind of the two string separation.
0: Show us a little more of that if you could. I don't know that you gave us just a tease. I'll attempt some bass. So, tell me, where did you grow up in a uh, musical family, or what was your childhood like, and how'd you end up over here in uh, Northern California?
1: Uh, I grew up in Lafayette, California, and yeah. uh, no, neither one of my parents were musical at all. My dad played professional baseball in the minors, and my mom was a tennis player, so they wanted me to be a jock, which I was up until junior college, I think. So, uh, I say the most infra- uh, inspiration came, I have a brother seven years older than me. Which uh-huh. was perfect if you were born in 1960. So I listened to what he listened to. So, you know, when I'm five and six, obviously the Beatles were my big influence. I hate to use that, what everyone else says, but it's hey. true. And then the cartoon was shortly after that. So, you know, it just kind of. And we we get all their records. And uh, But my brother, and to this day, has a real. He's a great listener, non musician listener. He just knows. And he, he, you know, he was listening to The Loving Spoonful. That's what I was listening to when I was five. Stuff like that. Not. Yeah. You know, the kid bands were like the Cow Sills. So, you know, Moby Grape, who was... You probably heard of them. They were like the Doobie Brothers before the Doobie Brothers. They were great. So that's the kind of stuff I was listening to. And then Sly. Sly came, and he was just real. He had a great ear for that stuff. And that's how I kind of learned... Wanted to play guitar was just that 65 through 75, that peak of all the great stuff. That is the shit. Incredible.
0: Like, for me, the breakdown on... Thank you for letting me be myself. Yeah. I guess that's Freddie, right? That's Freddie. That's
1: like a Hendrix chord. So, you know, he was doing that (laughs) stuff, too.
0: Oh, man. So, yeah, there's some of that stuff. Are there so seeping in there? And when did you start actually playing guitar?
1: Uh, I was nine. So that would have been like 69 or 68. And Hendrix was still alive and all that great. Then Zeppelin was just coming out. So it was fantastic. I mean, it's just, you know, all this like, oh, my God. You know, the James Gang, all my favorite guys. Tower Power eventually. Um, you know, all the great barrier bands. So, but, you know, it was the Beatles, Credence. Credence was a yeah. big influence because uh, I was in a band when I was 11 with a bunch of 18 year olds and I just they wanted me to be Tom Fogarty so that kind of stuff got me into playing all types of rhythm guitar not just funk
0: what's a cool rhythm guitar part that you remember playing back in your childhood that you would still have fun playing today
1: Wow that's a good question Um, well the first one was
0: what a great song
1: that's the first song I learned the bar chord was a little problem the first F left F chord. I remember that. Yeah, I'm trying to think rhythm. You know, uh, Brown Sugar was always a good. one. I'm not tuned yeah. for it, but you
0: know, I'm not tuned right for it. But oh, that was yeah. always a cool one. Open A tuning is, or maybe it was open G. G.
1: Honky Tonk Woman. With...
0: <sighs> Once you discover that tuning, I didn't put the, I didn't start with that until I was like 31 years old. Like. So many people are afraid of open tunings. So I like, know. Oh, now I see.
1: So, like, why
0: did I wait so long?
1: I've been doing E two lately. Which the stay with me. That face is yeah. tuned. I mean, it's the, you yeah. hear it's it's right when you do it that way. And yeah. all the Stones tunes when it is open G, it's just there's something oh, different yeah, about totally. it. You know, it just sounds right.
0: That sounded wrong because I'm not in the right <laughs> tune. But kind of close. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So and then you know, of course, I like you know the English guys, Peter Green. Really, yeah. really dug the old Fleetwood Mac. You know, that's kind of where I learned to play blues. I would say even before, you know, I chased back where they learned it, and you know, where all the English dudes learned from, you know, our our blacks, and um, but I thought Fleetwood Mac was a you know a good ferocious rock yeah. and blues. They really set the tone. So spooky. Yeah, yeah.
0: Anything you want to play from that era that just kind of comes let's to your see. mind? Or let's
1: see, what's that? What's that? All right, place. Love it.
0: Yeah. I love man. And one thing I love watching you play, there's this thing that I just, I love that I look for in musicians, which is, uh, I mean, I, even, I hesitate to, to put it into words and try to like intellectualize it, but. Right. Or they just, doesn't matter how long they've been playing or how they go for it. And there's wild kind of almost punk rock kind of like take some risk energy. And I've, I've played with you once with David Martin yeah. at the Empress Theater. That was a lot of fun. And I saw you play at the Firehouse over here in Martinez. Yeah, that was fun. Great place. And both times it seems like sometimes you just get the spontaneous energy and you just kick on all your pedals and get crazy feedback. It's just out of a blues junior amp. Yeah. Having it facing you. Yeah. So you can hear. I love that kind of reckless, like, let's see what ha- What are you doing when you get all that feedback? And I don't know if you have to do it right now because we're in a – control room here in in your studio we're an
1: uncontrolled control room though (laughs) so yeah so um you know um i'm very much a seat of my pants soloist i think i kind of always has been um has been have been um and even when i record usually my first one so it's it's just it's very spontaneous I, i think jeff beck said you know you gotta you fall on your ass and try and you get back up yeah. and try it again. And, he, you know, we toured Tower Power when I was with him. We toured with him for three weeks. So I oh, was shit. this far from him and watching all his stuff and his his gain, the way he uses his gain. It was oh, he, yeah, his right hand. And his, his fingers. And he just had picks on the floor. And he picked one up and hit it. But mainly with his fingers and his whole technique. And, you know, th- his tech would just say, you know, he'll try different stuff all the time. And yeah. it's gotten to a point where even his mistakes are better than most people, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I've made mistakes better than that. Yeah, he's, he was he was something. But I
0: mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you see someone who's just too practiced and everything is, they may be amazing, but if it's like,
1: it's stiff. like,
0: it's it stays safe in the lanes, it's like kind of fun if you watch in a car that almost wipes out and then straightens itself and like, it's going for it. Or yeah. You know what
1: I'm talking about? With yeah, <laughs> that's how I drive do? too. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> so, no, I I, total, I totally get it. You just kind of, you know, just turn your brain off, really, you know, and. You know, yeah. try, try to you know still be musical at the same time and make everyone else sound better. I mean, yeah. th- when I play w- with guys, that's what I want to do. I want to make the band sound better. I'm, I'm not into you know, yeah. hey, dig me. You know, I'll, I'll go for it. If you like it, great. But I'm that's always my purpose. Whatever band I play with is to make the, the whole thing sound better. And rhythm guitar yeah. is essential to that. Kind of a lost start, it seems. Yeah, Tuesdays, I think so. So we'll have to do something about that.
0: Yeah, I think we're well. Hopefully, doing a little bit here today. <laughs> yeah, and it's, do you think like like your friend Donnie, my friend Donnie, drummer of Jefferson Starship, and he also you've played with him probably in a million different scenarios, yeah. including Lydia Pence, Cold Blood, and he was a jock too. Yeah. in high school he he was a was he a pitcher?
1: I mean, you know what I, I I don't really remember. Yeah. He just you know he's looked yeah. athletic, and I I don't know what yeah. he did sports wise. Um, but
0: uh, and one of my best friends Dave. Lawler, Dave Zemach Lawler nowadays, uh, he was always the jockiest. He, he could beat it. He win at every sport we ever played, you know, basketball or softball. He was always on top of it. Yeah. yeah sometimes I wonder if there's something for great rhythm. Like, I mean, in basketball, sports. Basketball, for sure. Yeah, you have to be really tight. You have to be consistent.
1: <laughs> it's more, it's more, I think music goes more with the flow of basketball because you got the dribbling and the time, the timing yeah. where, you know, baseball, there's a lot of standing around, except, you know, there's, timing and hitting but definitely and that, that's you know yeah. i played basketball up through junior college and i definitely had similarities to being a jock and helping it me in the music business kind of yeah. deal with the music business you know right it, right it really it really helped a lot you know it's uh
0: and your son is is going off to college right now yeah he he's, he said gonna, he's, he's got, he's got a baseball playing, scholarship yeah he's
1: still playing ball and uh i'm real proud of him he's uh he works hard badass yeah he works hard he gets up and runs and and uh, still and I don't have to tell him and he's you know he wants it so I just tell him you know as long as as far as it can take you enjoy it you know
0: now when you were growing up what was like the first incredible concert that you went to that changed you as a youth or something that like you know how we're so impressionable as kids or teenagers is were there any guitar performances or any could be any musician any bands you saw that just changed your life or turning well, points that's a
1: good question so i can tell you the first concert i saw and it was with my brother and my parents are both gone so we he lied to him and said we were going to see a movie called Steelyard blues which uh nick Ravanitis, who i ended up playing with later uh, when they put the electric flag back together i huh. was in that band and he did the music for that movie and i and mike bloomfield who my brother turned me on to when i was a little you know Super Rad. Sessions. I, I was like nine when that came out. Stills is on that too. Um, that you know, that was pretty impressionable. Um, so he snuck. We snuck out, and we were going to go see Steel Yard Blues. And he took me to the Berkeley Community Theater, and it was John McLaughlin and Carlos Santana. They did Damn. one record together. I think it was called Love Devotion Love Devotion and Surrender. Cool. So for my first concert, it was hearing John McLaughlin was like, "What is this?" I mean, who is this dude? I mean, it was it was almost too much for a nine-year-old to understand, you know? Because I was yeah. kind of a song dude still, and Carlos was there. He sounded, you know, he was still playing his twins, you know. He, he used to play the twins with his uh that SG, the Woodstock guitar. Great tone he had, and his Billy yeah. Cobham, and they did four songs, in like two and a half hours. So that was my <laughs> first concert, and I, yeah. it was just kind of cool going. But then, as as I got, you know, twelve, thirteen, you know, we could go to. Uh, to Winterland or and yeah. and see bands like that. I remember seeing um boss gags at the Ream Theater. This is before, you know, the big record and Les Dudek was playing guitar with him, who kind of took Dwayne Allman's place as, you know. In okay. the Almond Brothers. He played all, on the Brothers and Sisters record. So that was pretty cool. He was one of the first real badasses I saw. Right. And then as soon as I could get people to take me to shows, then you know, I'd go see Walsh and, you know, all my Rick Derringer, I loved him growing up. Yeah. All my favorite American guitar players I could go see.
0: Yeah, show us some Walsh influencer if you. I mean, I always love, he's always seemed like a guy to me that knew how to turn up an amp and. I love that one. It's
1: pretty funky.
0: What's that one? It's so funky. That's like.
1: A loose wrist on him when yeah, he seems
0: like a loose relaxed kind of guy yeah
1: I <laughs> love that lick. an his. ordinary average guy yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um, I hung out with him once with dr. Gonzo remember the comedian yeah, he yeah was yeah. opening Barrett. for Joe this was when Joe was still you know not at his healthiest but he was cool you know he was he right. was he was a goof go- played just so great you know three notes three notes
0: and it's funny, I might, I might have told this story before, but I interviewed Tom Scholz from Boston, mm-hmm. and he talks about like the last album he ever got was that, that James Gang album before he stopped buying records altogether and recorded the first Boston album, the yeah. legendary album. Yeah, it is. And yeah, if you listen to this song, Tend Your Garden, yeah. it sounds like kind of like Boston in the rough. Got the hand claps and the, and the big chorus. That's like, chorus is like... like it's got like the organ breaks and stuff and yeah it's fascinating to hear like how influential Joe Walsh was even to a guy like Tom Scholz. yeah I mean it's just yeah. his
1: organ playing just chords but it was you know he would yeah. do that for a whole song which you know it wasn't my favorite James Gang stuff but it was yeah. cool I I, I know I you know why he yeah. did it you know um what was that one that the one um the no the name of the tune but <laughs> you know cool kind of you know where you, yeah you're he's pedaling the one always like an organ player would yeah. do yeah i love that stuff very cool i use that a lot you know even here up here. you know yeah. different position real cornell dupree kind of stuff sweet yeah. yeah.
0: So by the time you were like high school age or what are you playing or or when you're leaving high school, did you graduate high
1: school? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Barely. Um, what were you, I was, what in, was in
0: your fingers around that time?
1: Well, let's see. Th- uh, let's, seventh, eighth grade was kind of bands, bands, bands. And then my freshman year in high school, we started Pacific Brass and Electric, which
0: yeah. was,
1: was a band that pretty much through the 90s. We were a, a horn band trying to be like Tower. So. That's when when it get, I could get some horn players. Went to the jazz band, and then I started being in horn bands because, um, yeah. you know, Earth all the stuff was real hip, right? Earth Wind and Fire was killing it. <laughs> Ohio players were badass. Um, yeah, pretty much all those bands had a great rhythm guitar player. Commodores, oh, Cool & the Gang, all had a funky rhythm guitar player. And th- that's that's my music. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean,
0: I was like, you don't get eight up to or move. nine years old, but that was uh, it was changed
1: my life. Yeah, you don't get up and move to that. There's something wrong with you. So that's for sure. So yeah, I mean all the all those type of bands so we kind of did stuff like that kind of got away from rock a little bit um and uh that band pacific brass and electric kind of played through my early 20s uh trying to do the club scene and we got we did the keystones that was a big deal man yeah man. doing the keys opening for some i forget who it was uh that was wilson pickett we opened for wilson pickett at the keystones yeah and and the great story about that was that was the The week the Clash were in town and Joe Strummer was at heard our band. He was at the Wilson Pickett show. It was packed. So this was like uh, early '80s. So people, all the rock stars, still worshipped all those guys. You know, all those great soul singers, the stacks guys mainly.
0: I was in the seventh grade and I saw the Who at Oakland Stadium '82, and the Clash opened. Who knows? I wonder if it was
1: around then. That that was. Yeah, yeah. It was '82. We we played. We it was uh, the Stone where he came. Yeah, yeah. That, that was it. It was probably 19, because I met Mickey and Donnie, like, the next week. Um, Bill Slays was in Elvin Bishop with, uh, with those guys, and Mickey and him went way back, and he said, Mickey wants to put a horn band together. You, you know, you gotta, you got one of the better horn bands in town. So I kind of broke up the band to do that, but, <laughs> you know, yeah, I would have done the same thing.
0: Let's play, a, let's play a tune that has some horns in it, even though we don't have horns with us today.
1: We can imagine. Let's yeah. see. What's a good horn one?
0: Okay, we'll go. Right? <laughs> Don't you remember? September. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sing. Okay. What's the baseline? Dean White's part.
1: I mean, al mckay is another one huge influence
0: al mckay do you ever met him he, yeah i, I he's, did. he's been his people have said that he's going to do this show one day i oh, can't wait he's, he's one, one of my heroes we can yeah. play earth wind and
1: fires guitar player oh al, he's all the all best he's 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 in the conversation yeah i met al we did a a nam show and he had the la all-stars yeah yeah, yeah. and bruce conti was in the band who was uh tower of power second guitar player and i took lessons from bruce yeah. He was a big, big help to me too. He was in the band. He had a better band than Earth, Wind and Fire. They just killed. It was uh, L.A. All Stars, Tower Power, and, and the original uh, um, Carmen Appice's band, Vanilla Fudge. It was pretty cool. That's Kinda right. Kind of all over the place show, but it was it was great.
0: That's cool. We played with Carmen Appice. Yeah. In uh, North Carolina or something. I got a great photo. I'm playing drums right in front of him, and he's standing behind me with thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so, it's perfect. We. we, we <laughs> because <laughs> there's a drum set sitting uh, in this room that's great
1: the east coast honesty man
0: yeah yeah. I mean yeah, but yeah Al McKay
1: really too a lot of that two string kind of the you know uh, so just funky. kind of picking apart chords here uh, you know F sharp is A so that's you know yeah. you know I kind of I love it So, you're on a
0: telecaster today going through your Blues Junior. I'm going on one of your strats here. Sounds good. The the basement.
1: Funking it up over there. Yeah. Oh, well,
0: thank you. But yeah, just keeping up with the groove pocket over here. I like your shirt, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Claws. Nice. Cat lovers against white supremacists. Yeah. So, um, now to me, like, there are two, two of the greatest punk bands of all time are. Earth, Wind, and Fire, which we were just playing. I I love that shit all the time.
1: Oh, great.
0: I love all this stuff so much. Hey, course, I, have, I have
1: I have the thing right there to do it.
0: What the thing? Oh, you, oh, you got the vocoder on the chord keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> but I was going to say the other band that's really huge for me, even though I don't know all of their songs or all of their albums, but I've seen them twice. Tower of Power, and uh, you ultimately ended up playing with them, which yeah. is I just like I'm I'm just doing the Garth and Wayne kind of not worthy. <laughs> Genuflect hero in, in in this room here, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably skip some stuff we can go back to. But how did you end up doing the Tower gig, and and, uh, and what what'd you learn from Bruce Conti? You said he was your teacher. What, what, yeah. what stands up?
1: Well, he just uh, left the band, and it was a Bam magazine, and said guitar lessons from Bruce Conti, like ten bucks an hour, and I just went. You know. You're know. you like, am I, I hallucinating? He's, he's one of my heroes. Like he still is. You know, he's both those guys. Willie Fulton was their first guitarist. Those guys were huge influences and different. I think the when he was in, Willie was in the band and Bruce was in the band, they they changed a little bit. So each guy fit those bands, I think, better than the other. Uh, Bruce yeah. played with Chester Thompson, who's one of the greatest keyboard players on the planet, yeah. and he Bruce kind of played around with him, and Willie was just a three piece. So his thing was more, you know, more kind of. <coughs> more open more loose wrist because he had to cover cover more ground as they would say so um i uh my band pacific brass and electric emilio and doc came and saw us you know we were one of one of the better horn popular bands and they came and sat in with us and doc and i uh have been friends ever since and writing songs together he really doc has like about a thousand notebooks he just writes songs all day so he had his little notebook and, uh, hey, and uh, he goes, play this, you know, and, he, and I went, I qu- here's the groove. And we went through like three notebooks. He goes, he goes, that's amazing. I don't know how you did that, but you and I are forever pals. So that was pretty that's cool. Great. So it took a while. I didn't get in till, I think, the mid-90s. Um, I was playing with Mickey and doing yeah. other stuff. And Mickey Thomas. Yeah, Mickey Thomas. And uh, cold blood for a long time, and just you know, the opportunity didn't come. And when it did, it was the time was right. And Doc and I have uh, Doc Koopka, I'm talking about one of the ori- original Tower and one of the main songwriters. We started a record label called Strokeland Records, which is uh, you know, records pretty much Tower Power tunes. But you know, Huey Lewis, who's an old friend of the band, we get different singers, Edgar Winner. Mickey, Thomas, Alex Litcherwood, yeah. Mike Finnegan, you know, all the crummy guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Badasses. So it, it's basically Tower of Power music with just all different singers on it. We've been doing it since ninety six. I'll give you a couple before you go. Oh yeah. It's really fun. You know, I produce the records, so it's it's wonderful. Rad. Yeah. That's that's what's called Let's Do Funk episode. <clears throat> one chord, you know? Yeah. Called Let's Do Funk. Rocco, the great, late Rocco Prestia, and oh that gosh. record, that yeah. first record we did, was the first time David garibaldi and Rocco Prestia played together in 20 years. So it was a oh, special wow. record. Cool. What was it called again? Kick It Up a Step. Rad. That was the first one. We've done like seven over the last uh, 24 years.
0: So you've been producing them steadily. Yeah. many of the albums are you were you a member of the band playing on her
1: uh four rad four three videos i think and man
0: Rocco, it's that, that hit me in the heart yeah when he that's, that's, it's away. still a
1: tough one and we were we were real close and him and i had been working on a solo record for him for about the last five years and i still have it so yeah. i'm probably going to put it out as, as my record you know featuring him because uh yeah, yeah. you know i mean yeah,
0: the bass playing. Like, I mean, everyone thinks of what is hip. Yeah, and uh, it's so effortless, and it's not light. Just sounded like he was just fluttering, you know, like, like a bird. Just
1: yeah, it sounds the like a sequencer the, with with soul, you know.
0: Sequencer with soul, totally. Um, All right, what is hip? Ready? Yeah. You got the you got the lead. Who is is that? Conti on that, or is that's, that, that that's Bruce? Yeah, that's Bruce playing lead on the, rigor, Bruce on the record. Bruce Conti. What? What's the the rhythm like? Wait, wait, where's one in? One, two, three, double... Rocco imitation.
2: Yeah, what is it?
1: What's that? Oh yeah. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Sounds it's, like it's out of it's sight. Machine. There's all the James Brown stuff's in there.
0: Yeah, it's in there, but they, they Do, just
1: play, It's such a different swing. Different swing, I mean, totally Di- different flavor. Different swing to that band. It's it's uh it's like yeah. it's like it's almost like it's always a triplet feel even when it's not a triplet. Kind of has that on top of the beat forward movement. Yeah. That that doesn't rush. And a real dedication
0: to arrangement and yes. horn parts and
1: Yeah. The you know, the drums, uh super funky and innovative, but you know, like a big band yeah. it's almost like a big band drummer playing funk, you know, or the, the lead he could read the lead trumpet charts. I think David told me that in the slot record that he took the the second trumpet, Greg Adams, who's the horn arranger, one of yeah. the best ever and he would read off it like a big band guy would. So it makes kind of sense. I mean, yeah, when you get
0: hit all the pops
1: and all those kind of big band pops or they're just funk, they're just funk yeah. pops. And he was doing like some of that like modern
0: linear drum playing, right? Yes. Like Yeah. Kind of like Ziggy, but
1: yeah, but more on top of the beat. More Ziggy's top of the beat, more faster, back,
0: more high tech. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Or like I I guess that means that there's I guess every piece of the drum kit is happening separately, almost. Like, like yeah, you know, as opposed to ACDC where cor- yeah, <laughs> everything's correct. happening once or,
1: you know, it's it's yeah. like you know people say, well, the music's busy, but it isn't. It's just it's just sixteenth notes that doesn't make it busy. I mean, he doesn't yeah. you know he doesn't uh, overplay Phil's. and I mean his everything he does has a purpose. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, he you know he really he pays attention. He hears everything. And that kind of zeroes in on his parts. David yeah. Garibaldi I'm talking
0: about. Yeah. Yeah. Was it challenging to walk in there? I mean, I know you played these horn bands and played similar, so you had a lot of experience, or was there anything intimidating about walking into your first T.O.P. gig? Or
1: <laughs> it wasn't really because, like I said, I'd had a relationship with Doc. Um, he'd come and play with my bands. I'd, I'd made the, the Strokeland records, so I'd worked with Lenny Pickett. I'd worked with Chester Thompson. I'd worked with, Le- work with all the guys who'd ever been in the band. So I think the f- yeah. first, but... Butterflies can be real good, so I think the butterflies worked it to my advantage for that audition. It 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 yeah. it was it was a good thing, you know. It wasn't.
0: And you've got a guitar book on funk.
1: Yes, you know. yes. Um, it's actually a play along with the uh, Tower Rhythm Section. Um, no Al shit. Leonard Cherry Lane. called. So we there's like about five Tower tunes. It's a minus one book. It's still selling. It's been out since 2002. So amazingly, it's still out there. Uh, and so you can t- take the guitar out and you can kind of play along with the oh, Tower great. Rhythm section, There's including a- Rocco and David. You know,
0: it's called Funk Guitar, right? Or- yeah,
1: I'll give you a copy oh. before we go. Funk Guitar with Jeff Tamalier and then I did a, a Hot Licks video with the great Arlen Roth. You ever yeah. met Arlen? Never met him. But what a player, man! Yeah, t- Telly guy, you know. Yeah. So he had, you know, they, they there was Starlicks and there was Hot Licks. So I did, I did a video like all this stuff talking about Freddie and cropper and Al albacay all those guys who influenced me it was it was it was fun it was really weird because i i was uh not prepared to do it but i almost don't remember doing it i just kind of talked about like i'm talking to you you know we're just kind of going back and and then it was over and they went great you did great i'm going god i i hope i hope so
0: (laughs) yeah it's all it's all in you yeah so i love the fact that you show up with a, a blues junior sometimes at like at the empress theater a pretty uh you know, was a big room yeah and um, but yeah you, you had a instead of a monitor you just had it like leaning on the monitor facing your face yeah and sound I mean the tones are just killer yeah, it's it a
1: great just, little amp and you know I, the sound men love yeah. that when they, yeah. you know when they see the guys coming in with their stacks and but you, you know the band wasn't loud. but just for the smaller kind of clubs um, or even smaller theaters, that'll work yeah. just you, can, you have no problem hearing yourself. You don't have to turn up too loud, so you can kind of get that, you know, you know, the back off, it cleans up nice, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of guitar players are guilty, myself included, of getting really used to the sound of the guitar amp not hitting you in the face, so you're not getting all the highs. The highs are all going at the person who's in front of the stage. Right or if it's like a, a seated gig someone who's yeah. stuck in their seat getting that amp and, and they're <laughs> looking at you like
1: this <laughs>
0: but you're not nec- necessarily getting the same upper mids and all that stuff so i think some, some for some of us having the guitar amp literally pointed right at our face yeah that's an adjustment maybe it, it I mean, is maybe you dial in your tone better
1: i think so i think you, you, you can you have a better um understanding of what low end you need i think if it's kind of cuz the high end is going to come at you and that's what I kind of do is I'll, I'll I'll get it to where it's. I think when you play Fenders, it's the high end comes from this guitar, from the from their guitar. So yeah. I don't try. I more get let's get the low end right and I and I kind of ease in the treble and you'll know, yeah. you'll know when it when it has that point on it when it still has that nice body. You know the. Yeah. You'll know still you know still real spanky and low, um, and at a lower volume I think it's easier to get that.
0: Do you play funk with a little delay on like that, or is that just random? I (laughs) forgot to turn it off. (laughs) It's it's down so low, you don't even notice it. Yeah,
1: that was definitely random.
0: What kind of pedals are you... I see you got the Boss Tuner there, but what
1: else else you got? Yeah, the Boss Tuner works great. Um, uh, I'm using the MXR Carbon Copy, which I really like. It's real subtle. You know, just real subtle. I'm, I'm not huge on when I'm playing funk on effects, you know. Compression, I don't use. This yeah. is my compressor. My palm. The palm is my of compressor. your picking hand. Yeah. Because yeah. that, if I had a compressor on, it it wouldn't sound like yeah. that. Which you know would choke it up. So you know, I can, I learned to do that with my palm, kind of dynamically.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, over here, I've, I've been using the JHS Morning Glory, which i really like in these days. Um, kind of has an old basement feel to it, you know, not too. Uh, Now clean distortion, yeah.
0: is that like a clone or something? I mean, I've never really used a clone, but the paint job reminds me. And then it's sort so, of. and it's so subtle. I'm, yeah. I've heard clones.
1: I played one actually. Uh, it was good. It wasn't two thousand dollars good, but it was good. Yeah. It, it's yeah, it kind of has that same tube. It's, it's it's you know. <laughs>
0: Well, you could make anything sound great, but yeah, that sounds killer, yeah. It's funny, I was in Chicago with Kathy, the singer of Jefferson Starship. Doing, Kathy
1: Richardson, yeah.
0: Yeah, Kathy Richardson doing a solo gig with her. And, um, she's, she's great. She is great, and she's a powerhouse, and she uh, likes to bring this guitar tech at her show because she's always talking to the crowd and switching to piano and switching from acoustic electric. She brings Toby Berman. Uh, uh, he's a good friend of ours, and he just like brought a few random pedals that he'd kick, and he's like, I don't know. Here, try this one. And I'm like, dude, that's a Klon Centaur. He's like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like that's a clon- dude. Look on eBay right now. That's He's like, yeah, it was like I think it was 1,900 they were <laughs> going for. <it. laughs> so
1: oh, thanks for telling me. <laughs> yeah, pretty nice. It and uh, I, mean, I should have offered him 75 bucks. No, yeah, 200 even. So I'm also using the the MXR Dookie, which I really like, which is the Billy Joe Armstrong uh, model pedal, and this one kind of you can. It's almost like having a Marshall and a twin reverb, but you can kind of go back and forth somewhere in between. Really?
0: Yeah. Uh, that's just cool that you got a, a Billy Joe because I'm a huge fan of his because I love great songs. Yes. I interviewed him for the uh, cover w- of Guitar Player a while ago, and I'll, I'll try to get you on the cover. No guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you, when you think about it, in recent decades, he's inspired like more people, more kids, to play guitar than anyone Rhythm. else I can name. Rhythm just guitar. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's rhythm, rhythm guitar, guitar. songs.
1: You, you know, yeah. I agree. He's probably the last one.
0: He's probably responsible for like twenty-seven percent of electric guitar sales over the t- You're past. You're probably right, out man. Out of at least rock guitar players.
1: Yeah, and 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 Hatfield too, real good rhythm yeah. player. I think him yeah. too. So we're lucky they're both here. Yeah, Bay Area. Yeah, man. So this other one I use, kind of for my my kind of cleaner, is the the microamp, also made by oh, MXR, wow. Dunlop. My my friends for twenty-five years. It's great. I use their strings and their picks and everything. They've, they've been wonderful to me. So yeah, this, me this too. is kind of what I would use like on the... So it's just kind of clean. Or my Johnny Guitar Watson. That's real good for real spanky. Yeah, I used to use one of those
0: for just a volume boost. I don't know Right.
1: I, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, I guess most people use it like when they... Go from a Strat to a Les Paul to kind of yeah. eat good. I just, it's my Johnny Guitar Watson pedal, you know, for me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. You do a lot of production, too. Obviously, you have this great home studio here, double glass and everything, ISO room. And, and then you work at the Track Shack a lot in Sacramento. Correct. Cool studio. They must have a big room there, right?
1: Yeah, it's like 10,000 square feet. Donnie's yeah. recorded there a bunch of yeah. times with me. He's Prairie. You know, I use all those guys come out. It's great. So I've done a bunch. Been working there since yeah 2006. Yeah. So I do a bunch of records there, and then I do a lot of the pre- and post-production here. I do all my guitars here, at least the, the funky ones. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. rock ones, the bigger room.
0: Yeah, you're, I mean, how's production going for you these days? What's, are you enjoying it? Uh- love
1: it. It's actually my favorite thing. Um, I, I, I love making records. Uh, I just finished a band from Phoenix. They're called The Swains, Irish Rock. Kind of your Dropkick Murphys, that type of band. I, I produced a band like four years ago called The Angry Bryans. And these guys heard that record and said, we want that producer. So that's I just finished uh, that one up.
0: Right, where did they record the basics? Phoenix. Cool. So you went out there.
1: Yeah, I went there um, like two or three times. And then they came out to SAC and, and did a bunch. And we did the, we just finished mixing it last week. So. Sweet. And I'm working on another Strokeland record with Doc. Um Nice. Now, um, I put out an acoustic record during the pandemic. So, you know, I just figure I got a studio and a record company. What, you know, what, what am I doing? You know, I should be.
0: What's the best way for people to find you? Is it Tamaleer or Tamaleer.com
1: website? And uh, all my records are available on all the, yeah. the digital media.
0: I love that tune, East of the Caldecott, which, <laughs> if, if you're a Bay Area person, that's the tunnel, the Caldecott tunnel. Yeah, that's where we are now. I'm still in LA, but it's great to be back
1: home. Yeah,
0: catching up with my peeps. Yeah, man, who's, who's on that song? It sounds
1: funny. Yeah, that was David Garibaldi, Bobby Vega, nice. Yeah, uh, Bruce Conti, sweet. He does the first solo, you can hear it because he does yeah. all that, you know, that lick he Correct.
2: does. <laughs>
1: Norbert Stachel, so I think there's sax yeah. on that. Yeah, I saw him in
0: New. My buddy Diz, Dismore, Dennis yeah. Dismore. We were in New York, and he was playing a little gig up in Harlem. We went out and saw him play. Yeah.
2: Great.
1: He was yeah. in Tower for a bit. Um, but he did uh, he worked on my solo record with me too uh, Strack Got Your Tongue which I put out in 96 but yeah that was just I think the four of us That was a lot of guitar layering on that record I wanted uh, my guitars to be the organ and the roads and I, I did I brought in Jimmy Pugh for a couple tunes to play some real B3 which was great So, but it was mainly a lot of guitar layering which was really right. fun yeah it was great did it at Coast you know John Cunabry
0: Thanks for... Hey, the man who wrote the book on funk, literally, oh, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote a book on funk. A book fun. on funk. The know. man who wrote a book on funk, Jeff Tamler, Man, thanks so much for, for uh, having me over today. Thank and, you, uh,
1: Jude. And Jude, Jude Gold is a A-league, top-notch, world-class player, if you didn't <laughs> know already.
0: He's Ooh, way too kind. Uh, I, I'm very uh, humbled by just about every single person who has ever been on this podcast, including yourself. So, uh, I mean, like, watching you play, so... Thank you, brother. It's, it's humbling to watch great players, and, and uh, yeah, best job in the world, right? Well, interviewing people like you
1: <laughs> sounds pretty good. Well,
0: other than actually playing guitar,
1: yeah. Which you know, we're lucky, man. Well, you know,
0: anyone who gets to play for five uh, people or five hundred, whatever. It's, yeah,
1: it's it's. I mean, and will get paid for it and be able to make a living. You're, you know, yeah. I count something every day.
0: Yeah, man. Keep it alive till you're 95. I'll try. And uh, thank you, Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player, play better, sound better, for making this interview with Jeff Tamalier happen today. No guitar is safe.
1: Uh, yeah. All right, man. Thank you.